Zach Blackerby and Michael Pappas here with you. We just got done recording the Thursday episode, and that one is uh, that's already up, if that's kind of what you want to. I know a lot of folks listen to the previous day's show on their way to work, um, but, but Michael, uh, kind of preview this special episode. This is uh, being put up Thursday at 5 o'clock. Um, what, what can folks expect to listen to um, over the next 25 minutes or so? So I got, like Zach said, I had the opportunity to sit down with Herschel Walker. And, you know, it was an awesome experience. He could not have been a nicer guy uh, to me and to everyone who was at, at the, the local restaurant we were at to do the interview. And I asked him about his, I asked him about his relationship with Bo Jackson, with uh, our boss here at the Auburn Network, Mike Hubbard. Sure. Um I asked him about playing in the Auburn-Georgia game, a little bit about his career. Uh, we talked a little bit about his relationship with Donald Trump because he's you know, been a co-worker. He's worked for Donald Trump. Yeah. He's done all these things. And uh, then we talked about kind of his post-football life, a few of the other stuff we've done. And all, right. all in all, uh, he gives a little prediction at the end about, about the Auburn game. So all in all, really good interview. I had a lot of fun with it. And uh, I hope you guys enjoy it. Yeah, so uh, check this out. If that is not something you're interested in, um, if you want a kind of a player interview from an Auburn perspective, check out the show from Wednesday. I spoke with Deshaun Davis. And if you're just looking for the normal uh, daily podcast, um, it will be one down in your uh, in the Locked On Auburn fo- uh, podcast feed. So be sure to check that out. All right, here's Michael and Herschel Walker. All right, I'm sitting down now with Herschel Walker. Herschel, first of all, Thank you so much for sitting down with me today and, and taking the time to do that. I know you're very busy. Uh, is it all right if I call you Bo? I heard your family and friends all call you that. I, I'm not sure we're friends yet, but yes. is that all right? Is it all right if I call you that? No, that's okay. Uh, being in Auburn is kind of tough with the other Bo being here. And I say the other Bo because I was Bo before he was since I'm a little bit older. So that Bo always wanted to be like this Bo. Speaking of that Bo, uh, as you know, my boss is, is Mike Hubbard who's currently sitting on an airplane with Bo Jackson. Who do you think Mike likes more, you or Bo Jackson? Well, I can tell you that I think Mike's like that Bo better than this Bo because he decided to leave this Bo and go with that Bo. And I know it's going to confuse everyone out there listening to me, but uh, I think he's like Bo Jackson a little bit better than Herschel Walker. All right, so the reason that we're here today, we're at Zoners in Auburn on Glen. And you own the largest minority-owned chicken business in the United States. You have a great relationship with Zoners. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, you know, uh, a couple of years ago, I had a friend that had saw this pizza place called Stoner's Pizza Joint. And he said, Herschel, I think there's an opportunity where we can buy the franchise. At that time, I think he may have had uh, seven restaurants. And he said, and we can change the name because he said, you know, uh, Stoner's Pizza Joint is not a good name for the South. So we end up buying this franchise, and I think today we may have a little over 20. And uh, we call them Zona's Pizza Wings and Waffles. And we got some in some college towns around the uh, south, and we want to do it throughout the country. And they're growing. You know, we have a lot of people buying franchises and doing different things because it's a neat. You know, it's a gourmet uh, pizza. The pizza is absolutely incredible. They serve a little alcohol here as well. And, and they have a waffle. They have a waffle dessert that is very good and and yeah, I tell you, it's, it's a good place. Well, I'm glad you brought up the waffle. I heard you are actually the biggest importer of Belgian pearl sugar 
in the United States. Your wife made me try the 34 waffle. She wouldn't let me sit down for the interview until I tried the waffle. It was absolutely delicious. Well, it is a great waffle. You know, it's funny that anyone out there in the food service that need a waffle, we have a great Belgian waffle. Uh, it's ready to eat. Uh, you can take it right out of the bag. It's ready to eat. We sell it in bulk. We sell it in individual pack. But it's a waffle that got Belgian sugar. And if you heat it up a little bit, it get a little bit warmer. You need no syrup. It's already got the sweetness to it. But we also just now come out with a waffle that's for schools that's uh, done with applesauce. So right now it's uh, healthy. And uh, and I tell you what, it's absolutely incredible. And to be, honest, to be real about it, that waffle probably tastes better than the one I got that I made at the beginning. I don't know about that. I mean, you're a great chef. You won season three of Rachel and Guy's Celebrity Cook-Off. Well, you know, I think all boys from the South can cook. I think all boys from the South can cook because I think their mothers taught them to cook, to sew, to clean up a house and do those things because that was, that was work we had to do. You know, before we can go out and play, you had to clean the house, you had to do your room, you had to make your bed. You know, I can sew because if I tore my pants, I had to sew them up. And my mom was a seamstress, and one thing she did, she taught me to cook. Uh, so when I went on the show, you know, I, was, I felt a little kind of embarrassed at first, and then I was a little scared because having a food company, you wouldn't want to lose a food show. And uh, so I ended up winning it, and I tell you, Guy Ferreira, he was my coach, and, you know, it really, I had a great time. Let's get to the reason that we're here, the reason you're in town this weekend. The Deep South's oldest rivalry is coming up on Saturday here in Auburn. You were 3-0 and in your playing career against Auburn. What did that mean to you, to, to not only play in the rivalry, but to go undefeated? Well, it means a great deal because, you know, you play Auburn right toward the end of the season, and that's when it can make and break your season. Because, you know, Auburn got a good team. They got a very good team. Georgia always have a good team. And, you know, you're so close together. So you got those rivalries right there. You got guys from Auburn going to Georgia, some from Georgia going to Auburn. So a lot of the guys you're playing against are your friends. Your family is here seeing you play. So it's a lot of pressure. And uh, to come into Auburn and when I played, to win three games was absolutely incredible. And I think some other people can say the same thing that we played at Auburn. Uh, this coming Saturday is going to be an interesting game. It's an interesting game because normally – this is a game that determines who's going to the SEC championship game. And Georgia got an opportunity where they can go. They can go, and Auburn got an opportunity to stop them. And Georgia put themselves in a hole right now by losing to uh, South Carolina. But pressure is what it's all about. They got to go out and play a great, great team. Uh, Auburn got a good team, great defense. That defense they play, that defense they play is very, very difficult. This is Bo Nick's home. He can go out and he can play it. He can play well. But I think what George got to do, they got to show the reason that they got that big offensive line. They got to go out and control the, their, their, their line of scrimmage. If they can control the line of scrimmage, they're going to win this game. In your career, you played three games against Auburn. You had 27 carries, 37 carries, and 31 carries. That sounds brutal to do in the SEC. Now in the college game, most running backs are getting between 15 and 20 carries. If you had that kind of reduced workload, do you think you'd still be playing professional football? Uh, you know, it, it's hard to say. It's hard to say because, you know, one of the things I tell people all the time, that ball ain't heavy. So they can give it to me as much as they want to. It's easy to carry. And, you know, and I had a good offensive line as well. I always tell people, you know, it wasn't just Herschel Walker. When you look at me play, you won't see me get hit in the backfield hall at all. I had an offensive line that they gave me an opportunity to get to those linebackers, to get to the defensive backs, and then it's up to the running back. The running back got to do something then. And I think that's what a lot of running backs tell you today. They can't do anything without those big guys up front. 
Come on, you, you could probably play today. I mean, you're in amazing shape. Well, you know, I, I'm, I'm in good shape, but I tell people that was a different era. You know, sometimes I stand out there near the guy today, and I look how big they are. They're big, they're fast. You know, maybe I could play today. You know, who knows? And the thing is, I tell people this. One thing about Herschel Walker is I can compete. That's one thing I know about it is I can compete. So if I had to play today, Herschel will be out there competing. And I don't like to lose, so I'll be trying to win at something. Herschel, after you left Georgia, after your junior season, if I'm not mistaken, you got your degree and you went and joined the USFL after your junior year. You signed with the New Jersey Generals. You went to New York. You thought that was the best place uh, for you, you know, financially with endorsement deals and stuff like that. And now... You know, in today's game, we're seeing a lot of laws get passed. The NCAA is talking about it, about players actually getting paid and endorsed and sponsored while they're still in college. Uh, what do you think about that? Was that something that you would have liked to see while you were there? I guess what are your thoughts moving forward? I think that's the wrong thing to do. Uh, I wouldn't have wanted to get paid while I was in college. I think that is the wrong thing to do. And the reason why, first of all, when you start paying a guy in college, that guy got to worry about taxes. He's got to worry about a lot of, lot more things than just going out to play football. And then who is going to get paid? How are you going to pay them? And the next thing is you have to have for an education. They're there for an education. If a guy's getting paid, why do he need to get an education now? You know, you're going to have guys that now are going to think they're making enough money. They're not going to get the education. They're not going to finish school. And I think people need to rethink that. I think sometimes we come to society that we try to be politically correct and rather than just being right. What's right right now is I think the athletes that came, keeping an amateur sport where guys get an education, they're getting a degree. You know, to degrees today costing you over $100,000. There's kids that work all the time, you know, taking a student loan out working their tail off, and I don't think they should be paying college athletes. Because, you know, what are you going to pay? You're going to play football players more or basketball players more? Then you can get alumni that say, hey, I want to get this kid endorse something for me because of his likeness. And, and I think you're really stepping on some terrible territory right now. Yeah, definitely uh, a slippery slope and definitely something that, you know, we'll see how it plays out. After your first season with the Generals, the team got sold to Donald Trump. And I'm interested to hear uh, what you thought it was like working for him. Obviously, in that situation, he would be your yes. boss. Well, you know, I've known Donald ever since. We've stayed friends ever since. Even while he's president, he appointed me a little position. And, you know, I tell everyone, Donald Trump is a great man. In 1985, I did a article in the New York uh, Times, and I tell people, they can go back and find that article, and I said, this man could be president of the United States. And uh, the reason I said that, I knew how much he loved America. You know, that, that slogan, make America great again, that's not something that he just thought of off the slide. He's always loved America, and I reckon that he wanted to get it back to the way it was. And I've always said that they were happy. They'll see some amazing things this guy can do. Do you see the things he's doing right now? They're, they're absolutely amazing, and he's doing it alone. And, uh, and I said, he's, he's a good president. And one thing about it is I believe in laws. I believe in law and order. I believe in respect. And I think we got to respect the White House. Whether we like who's in it or not, we got to respect it because this is the greatest country in the world. It's the greatest country in the world because we've got the United States military. So I think we got to respect them, got to respect our first responders because, you know, it, it's sort of insulting, make me want to cry when I see how people disrespect the police. This country was built on laws. You know, do we need to change something and make them better? Yes. But we don't gradually change anything. And I think when you start talking about free, 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 there's nothing free in life. 
And I hate to hear that term free. There's nothing free. There's a price for freedom. And I think people need to think about that. You mentioned you've known Donald Trump ever since then. Were you surprised at all uh, about the overwhelmingly warm welcome that he got from the fans and Bryant-Denny Stadium when he was here last weekend? You know, I, I wasn't surprised. You know, I hear so many mixed things on the, on the news, and I was telling my mom that. I said, you know, Mom, uh, you know, I thought I was raised Democratic when I was in South Georgia. I thought I was raised Democratic, but I said, sometimes I hear things that I'm ashamed. I hear things that uh, really hurt my feeling that I know people really don't believe those things, do they? And I say, you know, one thing about this president right here, he, you never see him say, I want to make Russia great again. I want to make China great again. He said, I want to make America great again. So what is wrong with that to make your home better than what it was? You know, whether it need to be made better or what, but you want to make it better than what it was when you came in. The players at the LSU-Alabama game obviously had an incredible opportunity to get to play in front of the president of the United States and his family. You know, do you wish that you had that opportunity when you were at Georgia? What would it have meant to you to get to play for President Carter or President Reagan when you were a student at Georgia? Well, you know, what's so fun is President Carter was at my game. President Carter came to my game a couple of times, so I did get a chance to play in front of President Carter. And, you know, it, it's always, and that's one thing I tell people all the time, you know, it's sad to me sometimes you have athletes that don't want to go to the White House. And I say, you know, it's, it's sad because like the president or not, he's the president. And what's strange about that whole situation he was voted in by a system we put in place, meaning that we voted for this system to put it in place. So we respect it because we're a country that if you don't like it, you can get rid of them in four years. We're not a country like these countries that don't even get a chance to have a voice. We have a voice. But sometimes having a voice puts you in the wrong stance because I think having that voice has hurt this country a little bit. Uh, you said a couple minutes ago that you were recently appointed by President Trump. You are the co-chair of the President's Council on Sports, Fitness, and Nutrition. Uh, you know, that's one of the latest accomplishments in a, a hugely long list. Is there anything that you've accomplished that you kind of hold in higher regard than the other things? You know, uh, you know, my son, I think having a child, and I want to tell every parent out there to hug your child, tell your child how great they are, continue to give them positive reinforcement. I think having a child, trying to be a good father to him, letting him know that I love him, letting him know that uh, life isn't easy, letting him know that, you know, you don't take what's not yours. You say, yes, sir, no, sir. The same values that my parents taught me, I want to teach it to him. Well, that's perfect. I have another question for you about your son. So Christian was a world champion as part of the cheer athletics team last year. Where did that rank for you? Uh, among the achievements. Was that better than winning a national title at Georgia in 1980? Well, you know, it, it was. And I, I think people want to understand this because, you know, the national title was years ago. And that's why when people ask me to come speak to a team, I tell the team, you know, guys, I played years ago. This is a different time today. You know, one thing about it, I can teach you how to compete, but I can't play for you today. And like for my son, to see him happy, to see him do something that he's worked hard for, to see the kids do something they work hard for and to win it, it means a lot. You know, my nephew played at Clemson. You know, he always grew up Georgia, Georgia, Georgia. And I said, how can I be mad at him? This kid won five ACC, eight ACC championships, won two national championships, but run up and won national championship. I said, how can you be upset with that? 
I said, that is an accomplishment that is un- incredible, and that's the same as my son. He not only won uh, last year, but he's won five world championships and then ended up winning an NCAA championship with SMU. So I said, like, how can I be mad at that? You know, he accomplished things that he set out to do, and that's what you got to do. That's way more impressive than anything I've accomplished. Uh, one of the things I was most impressed with and a little bit confused by, you were an Olympian in bobsled. How does a professional football player get involved with the United States bobsled team? Well, I got involved through a guy by the name of Willie Gold, who was from Griffin, Georgia, ended up playing at the University of Tennessee, ended up getting drafted by the Chicago Bears. Willie invited me to try it for the bobsled team. I went to Lake Placid, ended up making the team, and I ended up going to the World Cup and being on the number one pusher for the United States. And I tell you, seeing the Olympic team, and I was even after the Winter Olympics, you know, just to see the United States come together, we realized what a great, great country we have. We're the best country in the world, and that's no joke. And I wish people can really see that. You know, you see the United States come together. You know, it almost can bring a tear to your eye because we, we're, we're so blessed to be in this country here. You were the valedictorian at your high school, and your high school has since named their football field in your honor and has renamed the street the school is on after you. Which was cooler? You know, it, it, it's always cool. Uh, it's always cool. I even told them at that time, they asked, guys, I wish you would name it after my dad or after my mom because – they're the reason I'm here. They're the reason I'm the product of what they made me. You know, that my mom and dad taught me not to take someone's stuff. You know, I talk about spankings. Not that I'm advocating spankings, but I say a spanking kept me out of jail. A spanking kept me to say yes, sir, no, sir, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am, and kept me knowing what I'm supposed to do. And I said that, that and it came from my parents. They came from my parents how to work hard. How to know that, uh, you know, when you get nothing free, you go out and you work for what you get, and you never give up. That came from my parents. And I said, sometimes I, I think there's other people that deserve the award more than you do, and you sit there and get the honor that they deserve. Do you have a Herschel Walker Drive street sign in your house? I mean, the first thing that I would do if someone named a street after me was steal one of the street signs. So I, I got to know. I don't have one in my house. I think there's one in my mom's house somewhere. Uh, you know, this was interesting. In my home in Dallas or uh, in Atlanta, I, I don't have any uh, athletic awards in my home. I think I have a lot of military awards. I don't have any athletic awards in my home. Most of them are at my mom's house. Because, you know, as I said early on, uh, you know, I, and, and I, I was blessed to be in the position I was in. But that was a lot of people helped me. You know, even when I came up, I had a speech impediment. I was overweight, and I had so many people that helped me to overcome. And I owe a lot of the blessings, a lot of the grace to them for helping me. And then I get to where I'm at. I go to a great university, have some great coaches, great leaders. You know, and they help me along the way as well. Then I meet great people. And I said, so it's not just me. So accepting an award, I accept it with grace, but at the same time, I know where it came from. You've inspired me. If I ever win a Heisman Trophy, I'll give it to my mom also. You know, that was the thing was is, you know, when I won the Heisman Trophy, my parents deserved it. You know, I was honored to win it, uh, and, and it means a lot. It means a lot, but, you know, my parents have done so much for me. And, and you know, the thing is, is uh, Coach Landry said it. Uh, I remember he saying, you know, when you take something out of society, put something back in. And uh, that's the least that I can do to put something back in society. You have a crazy health routine, very well documented you sleep five hours a night. You only eat one meal a day. You do a thousand push-ups a day and two thousand sit-ups a day. How in the world 
do you find time to run three massive companies while doing a thousand push-ups and two thousand sit-ups every day? You know, I hate to take a slogan that someone probably already owned that just do it. You know, people always make excuses why you can't rather than making excuses why you can because there ain't no I can't. There's always I can because you have to make the time. And I tell my son this, you know, I said, Christian, uh, whatever you want in life, a thousand other people want it. So if they're getting up at five in the morning, you got to get up at four. They get up at four, you get up at three. They get up at three, you get up at two. They get up at two, don't go to sleep. That if you want it. But if you don't want it, it's okay. I'm saying it is okay, but do not, do not go in to do something if you're not going to be willing to work at it. And that's why I tell people I'm willing to work at it because I tell people all the time, you may have more talent than Herschel Walker, but I can guarantee you you're not going to outwork me. Because one thing I learned from my family, I learned how to work. I told your wife I was going to ask you that question, and her response was, you're looking at it. Yeah, yeah, that's that's it. Yeah, that that's the way I am. And I tell people this: I said, guys, you know, I've done so many things, and like the MMA, the bobsled, and all those different things. But I didn't just come out of my mother's womb doing it. I practiced. I trained. You know, I didn't I didn't go to bars. I didn't hang out and do all that. I was in a classroom all the time, or I was on an athletic field learning. I was in the training room training. So I was always training myself to get prepared for whatever I was doing. If I did a thousand push-ups, I think I would die. How long does it take you? you know, I tell people, do it in moderation. You know, It's not like I just do a 1,000 push-ups. I do sets. I do sets of 75 to 80 and 100. I've done 100 before in a set, and I just do sets of them. And I work my way up, and I work my way up now that I have to do it. If I don't do it, it becomes like a disease. I got something in the back of my head telling me, you got to do it, you got to do it, you got to do it. So I try to get it out of the way so I can rest. So how, how much time does that take you, like, throughout your day? Well, I, I'm up every morning, and I really sleep about three and a half to four hours a night. That's about it. But I'm up early in the morning, and I try to do 1,500 push-ups every day. I try to do 3,500 sit-ups. To do 3,500 sit-ups is going to take me no more than uh, 30, 30 minutes. And to do the push-up is going to take me a little bit longer, probably about an hour, hour and a half to do that. So I can get all that done and... Probably everything done in an hour and a half. It takes you 30 minutes to do 3,500 sit-ups. Yeah, I do sets, whereas I always tell people, doing a sit-up, when you pass 45 degrees, you're doing your lower bite. Once you pass 45 degrees, so what I try to do is take my head, my shoulders and my head off the floor, go up to about 45 degrees, hold it right there, and go back down. Never rest my head and shoulders on the floor again. So I do real quickly push-up where you put all you isolate your stomach and you work on your stomach so how you place your legs the straighter your legs are the higher you're working on your stomach as you bend your legs the straighter they are the lower part you're working on your stomach but as you bend your legs the more upper part of your stomach you're working on so i work on different parts of the stomach and doing the twist where i'm doing all the twists and different things i am absolutely in awe of you Uh, finally, I got to ask, what do you think about the game this weekend? Do you think Georgia's going to be able to pull it out? Do you think Auburn's going to pull it out? It's going to be a tough, tough game. It's going to be a tough game. Uh, you know, being from Georgia, I'm going to say they're going to pull it out. I picked Georgia at the beginning of the year to win it all. I said because, you know, Georgia has been so close, have been so close, and right now, you know, I will be angry. If I were Georgia, I wanted Alabama to beat uh, LSU because I would have wanted Alabama in the SEC. But they didn't, so it's like, LSU, you got problems now. I'm coming after you. But before you go to LSU, you got to beat Auburn. you got to beat Texas A&M and Georgia Tech. And I think that's what Georgia got to think about. And I think Coach Smart going to have them ready and have that say, guys, y'all got to play because that defense Auburn got is no joke. That defense can play. That defense has kept them in the game, kept them in a lot of games and stuff. And, you know, all, all Auburn got to do is score. 
And then uh, it's going to make it very, very difficult because that defense can make it difficult. But what Georgia got to do, they got to bring that big offensive line in and wear that defense down. Wear them down with those running backs, running here, running there, and just wear them down a little bit. Michael Pappas here with Herschel Walker at Zoners on Glen and Auburn. They've got the 34 waffle, absolutely incredible. We did the pulled pork waffle sandwich, which was delicious. Herschel, what is your favorite thing on the menu here? Well, my favorite thing on the menu is probably going to be something sweet, so I'm going to go to the waffle. You know, it's funny because I've been wanting them to do this, and they haven't done it yet, but I tell you what, that waffle is absolutely incredible. And I hate to say it since I'm selling the waffle. I probably need to say something there. The pizza is absolutely incredible, too. You know, one thing that's unique about the pizza, I said that gourmet pizza, if people love pizza, you got to come try this. The dough that they have, the wings, I forgot about the wings. When they smoke those wings and stuff, that makes it, but everything here is good. So come here and eat a lot. But you got to pay for it, too. Just don't eat. It's not free. Remember I said earlier on, nothing in life is free. So, Bo Jackson, I want you to come to Zona's Pizza Wings and Waffles. I'm inviting you to come. The first wing is on me. After that, you got to pay for it. My last question. You're a fifth-degree black belt in Taekwondo. I feel like we're friends now. You said I could call you Bo. Would you have my back if, I don't know, spitballing here, a listener showed up and tried to fight me? I got your back. What I do is I tell you, you just got to stand strong. Just take it on the chin. It'll be all right. Won't hurt that bad. Rub some dirt on it. You'll be all right. So you were just letting me get hit. You wouldn't. No, no, no. I, I told you. I'll tell you the duck. I'll tell you the duck. No, no, no. I, I got your back. I got your back. We're family now. <laughs> Perfect. Thank you so much, Herschel. Thank you. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.